Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, joined by Zach Carlson. And on the line with us is Mr. Cole Carmody, who is in Kansas City. Mr. Ryan Gilbert is at work. We're dividing up the duties this week because I am leaving on vacation. And so we're recording on Tuesday. As I said, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop in to the fridge whenever you stop into Manhattan. It is the largest and best liquor store by a mile in the world. In the world. I said the world. I might have exaggerated. There might be one in Hong Kong or Vegas. That's better. But in my experiences, I would always shop at the fridge if given a choice. It's right at the corner of Claflin and Westport here in Manhattan. Make sure you stop by. It's in the old Blockbuster building where they have Blockbuster good deals on booze. Cole, what's going on in Kansas City? Did you, uh, didn't you, speaking of booze, you can buy Boulevard products at the uh, fridge. Didn't you just tour Boulevard Brewing? I did, yes. We have some family in town, and so um, decided to, surprisingly, the family from Kentucky was the ones who said, hey, let's go visit the brewery. And me, who's lived in Kansas City my whole life, having never visited, said, that sounds like a great idea. Um, on top of that, I also have baseball practice tonight, so I made sure that I limited myself on the uh, on the actual product to mm. make sure that you know didn't want to have to have any conflicts of interest. Very disappointing. Very. I I would have limited myself to twelve beers. Twelve. Did you have one that you particularly liked? Did you sample a little bit? So yeah, they had they had a bunch of stuff. There was a, it was a whiskey barrel type of mm-hmm. beer, mm-hmm. a dark beer. Not a big dark beer fan. I tried it. I was I was really impressed. And they also have a the, the canned uh, canned mixed drinks, kind of what we sampled on the podcast last week. Actually, uh, speaking of samples, I know somebody said, "Hey, you should have a podcast called the Sample." No, um, they sell those in Manhattan. I'm assuming they sell them at the fridge. If not, you yep. can go on the fridge and, and find out. Right. So there we yeah. go. Check it out at the fridge, Cole. Uh, I bet your relatives from Kentucky enjoyed the whiskey barrel beer. Yes, that's yes. exactly what they got. Yep. Yeah, of course. Of course. Zach, how are our questions? Pretty good. We're going to keep it short so Fitz has a limited workload. Oh, I like it. For this week. I like but they're it. good. I think they're very good for what we got. So so on today's agenda for myself is, is I've already recorded a great Q&A podcast with Brian Wallace and Avery Johnson. I was just kind of hanging out listening. That appeared Wednesday at Go Paracat. This is the questions podcast that is popping up Thursday morning in your lifetimes. And then we'll have the overtime for Friday. Busy day. I would love to get in a life of fits, but I couldn't find anyone to book on short notice because I'm not a planner, Zach. I'm just not. Hmm. Do a good job. We'll get those rolling here in June. Just It more. is almost June. It's June now that you're listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, it is June. It's June. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Here is Zach Carlson. From Emarica, predict Kansas State's 2022 football wins and losses. Oh, I'm probably going to have to go with 15-0. That's a lot of wins. It's just as easy. It's that way I don't have to go through the games, and I can just list off all the wins. They're all wins. So he wants... He wants us to go one by one each game, I'm assuming. Yes, that that is about what I would anticipate. Okay, uh, let's South Dakota, Missouri, Tulane. 3-0. I think they should be 3-0. The only game, obviously, that you have any kind of pause there is Missouri. But um, I did put it this way. If Gary Bohannon 
the Baylor transfer quarterback. I know he was um, looking at Mizzou. If he would have gone to Mizzou strictly based off of quarterback play, that game would have given, given me a little bit more pause. But the fact that you're playing it at home, um, I think gives K-State the advantage. So I'm, I'm going to say three and out. Okay. Then they go to Oklahoma. I love this. I, you know, starting off the Big 12 with Oklahoma kind of stinks. But this, again, reminds me of the year where Spencer Rattler was the new quarterback. K-State got him. They beat him early in the season. Um, now they get Brent Venables in a rebuilt roster. I just hope there's no other parallels to K-State playing OU first. Yeah. Is that season. Yeah. So uh, I think they'll lose, but I'm not going to be shocked if they win. I think this game is this game's interesting to me because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not too confident. I feel like every single time that Oklahoma is good, it is when they have a returning quarterback. Um, even look at the Spencer Hole, Spencer Rattler situation. I mean, those last two years, if you want to say Caleb Williams, he wasn't a returner. He's obviously gone. They had the, the one year of Spencer Rattler where K-State beat them. When they have a returning quarterback, I guess you can throw Jalen Hurts even into that mix, right? I mean, it feels like whenever there's a new quarterback at Oklahoma, K-State has a very good chance to win. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and predict a W in this game simply because I think the talent level um, of Oklahoma is better than the talent level of K-State. But I'm also not sold on Dylan Gabriel. As many questions as there are about Adrian Martinez, I have those questions with Dylan Gabriel. I mean, you talk about coming off of an injury. He had a season-ending injury last year. He didn't even play that much. So there's lots of question marks for Oklahoma. As much as we talk about question marks for K-State, there's a lot of question marks for Oklahoma. You know, out of some of these road games, it wouldn't surprise me if K-State won. Um, but I, I, I have to pick Oklahoma in this game. Yeah. Go OU for the same reasons. Okay. So we got Fitz said. the Cats at 3-1, and 0-1 in the conference to come home and play Texas Tech. Also with a new coach, right? No, two years in on their coach. No, that's a new, new coach. coach. New year, that's right. New year. Yep. They fired. That's coach right. He's mid-season. been around, but actually, yeah. they fired him right after K State yeah, beat yeah. them last the year. The unthinkable. Will they fire their coach after K State beats Tech again? I doubt it. But K State will beat Tech. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Four and one. Four and one. Then they go. This is crazy. This is a a four and five year for Kansas State, meaning they have four home games and five road games in the nine game Big Twelve schedule. But they start with three out of four on the road in the conference. So after getting Tech at home, they go to Iowa State and TCU in back to back games. There's an off week in between those two. But where do we sit on getting wins at Iowa State and TCU? I think they split them. I don't think that there's yeah, I don't think there's any strong argument to make they're going to beat TCU or they're going to beat Iowa State or they're going to lose, you know, one of those two games. You know, I don't have any specifics there. I just think that you know, over the course of a season, it's really easy to sit here and say, "Hey, you know, I don't think Iowa State's as good as they're going to as they've been." You know, K State's going to for sure win that game, and then they go off a week, and then saying, "Hey, you know, TCU's also has really never been what they've always claimed to be." I think K State can win that one. I think that it's you know over that three week span, especially with a bye week, I think they still split. I think that you kind of got to group those games together and say after those two, they're going to be five and two. Cole? I I look at this as a little bit different than you, Zach. I think if you want to have a successful season, you have to win both of these games. Like if if they want to do the things that they have talked about, um, I know there was an article that came out in the athletic that talked about, Hey, maybe case it's a 10 win team. I know a lot of us at go power cat are, you know, split, I know Fitz thinks ceiling maybe is 10 or maybe even 11 wins. I'm kind of in that boat. You're maybe more eight or nine win teams. So I think if they want to have that ceiling that they want to have, you have to win both of those games. For sure. Uh, but, I agree. For sure. You need to win both of them to to reach that ceiling. But I think, you know, I think if you're talking about ceilings, I think the, the – percentage chance of you hitting your ceiling is probably closer to 10 to 20 percent than it is you know 50 or 60 percent so i think that you got to just use some math and some logic i guess so to speak and that's that's kind of where i'm at is you know i don't know you know if they're going to win or lose both of them but i think that saying you know one and one and one over that stretch it may not get you to 10 wins but i think that if you look at the schedule and you say what is going to be acceptable to the K-State fan at that point. I think being five and two after seven games, you know, however way you cut it up is significant. And let's put it this way too. 
if you beat Iowa State on the road with a bye week following that, I think the expectation is you have to beat TCU. So, I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, when we, when we get closer to the games, obviously it's a lot easier to predict. Um, I'll go ahead and say that they lose to Iowa State just because it is hard to win in Ames. I think that has the potential to be a night game. I mean, you guys maybe that's been a night game last year. I'm going to say it's going to be 11 a.m. Nice and bright. I've totally changed. uh, The old man just wants to get the football over with. Let's go 11 and let's let's get on the road and home. I'm tired of night games in Ames, mostly because they've been cold or rainy. Yeah. Yeah. Just – I'll say a loss at Iowa State and a win at TCU. Okay. Here's my thing. If Chris Kleiman wants to have his program turn the corner and become one of the better ones in the conference, if if that's something they're hopeful of, then maybe uh, they need to start stringing together some wins. You know, you can't just have a win here, a win there, a loss, a win there, a loss. These are three winnable games in a row. You got Tech at home. You go to Iowa State with a new quarterback and a lot of turnover on that roster, and you go to TCU with a new coach. If they can rattle off these three wins, I I think it'll just mean more than three wins in a row for the program. I think it'll usher in that maybe Kansas State is joining the elites in this conference, uh, at least in the short term. I'm not ready to go there, so I am. So I will go with two and one in this stretch. I don't know if it'll be Iowa State or TCU. I think Cole's right on that evaluation. If you win at Iowa State, I don't see them well coming off an off week and losing at TCU. So I will take Iowa State very reluctantly to beat the Cats, and as Zach said, get to five and two in the conference. Next up is a home game with Oklahoma State, which is why I see those three games as so important. Yeah, I think they're really important, but I think that Oklahoma State is going to be one of those top two teams in the conference. And I think it's, I think aside from, you know, that first OU game, if you're able to win that, even if you don't win it, it's it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, if Oklahoma State comes in and they're, you know, top of the conference, I mean, that could be a potential, I don't want to say college game day game, but one of the top five games of, you know, the Big 12 yeah. conference season for being a, a pivotal game to kind of shape what the, the Big 12 championship could be. Because if K-State's 5-2 and two going into that game, realistically, they need to win it if they want any sort of chance at being in the, champ- in the championship game. Agreed. Agreed. Cole? I'm actually going to take K-State in this scenario where K-State's 5-2. and two. This just screams like a game where Oklahoma State's probably like a what? 10 point favorite an eight or a nine point favorite. And, you know, everybody's picking against K state, Oklahoma state is the sexy pick. You know, they made the big 12 championship last year. They're the pick that everybody is going to be going with um, to be that, to be that team in the big 12 this year. And this feels like a game where K state finally breaks through beats Oklahoma state. They've had so much frustration against the Cowboys in the past with Chris Klein. And um, I just feel like it's bound to happen. And state is competitive in the losses to Oklahoma and Iowa State, I, I definitely could see a world where K-State wins that game. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, K-State to beat Oklahoma State, too. I just I feel like that's a game, a, a series that Chris Kleiman needs to get over the hump with. And, and no matter what he does, unless they're absolutely collapsing um, in those games leading up to the that game with Oklahoma State, I think K-State wins this. We will, we will see on that. So are you guys keeping track of your own? Wins and losses in your head? Yeah. Okay. Because yes. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Okay. I think so, we're going to differ here. Okay, I'm going to so. go Oklahoma State. I think that Oklahoma State, you know, even though I think K-State is extremely due for a win in this series, you know, past performances, I don't know if they're necessarily indicative of future performance, but I don't feel like case. I, I can't sit here today and say that, yes, K-State's going to win that game. Here's Oklahoma State's schedule leading up to K-State. They, their non-conference is Central Michigan. Arizona State uh, goes to Stillwater, and Arkansas Pine Bluff goes to Stillwater. So they've got all three of their games this year at home in the non-con. Then they open at Baylor. What a statement game right out of the gate for the conference. I almost feel like the conference wants to get the elimination game out of the way. See who beats who here and who's in the driver's seat. Um, They would never do that with Oklahoma and Texas. No, Uh, Texas Tech then goes to Stillwater. They go to to uh, Fort Worth on K-State's off weekend, and then they play host to Texas the week before they come to Manhattan. 
that might play a role. That's a that's a pretty rugged open for Oklahoma State. So Cole and I, I believe at this point, have the Cats at six and two, and you are at five and three. Five and three. Okay. They then go to Texas, so they swap opponents. Oklahoma State. Um, uh, no, excuse me. They have Texas coming in, and uh, I don't see any way Colin Klein loses this game. After what happened last year, I don't think that he's going to put a stinky product out there like the offense was last year. I think K-State wins this game no matter what state of affairs Texas has going. Even if the Longhorns somehow are back, K-State wins. Well, I don't think the Longhorns are going to be back, so go Cats. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you guys. Again, I kind of am of the mindset that this is one of those games where there's going to be a ton of motivation. Quite honestly, you know, Fitz just said we both have K State at six and two. If somehow they're four and four, even three and five, I just don't see any way K State, unless there's a ton of injuries, I don't see them losing this game. I just feel like this is a statement game. And there's so many kids, we've talked about it before, so many kids on Texas's roster or in K State's roster that are from Texas that weren't even looked at by Texas. And right. we know how big of a motivating factor that is for those kids. So, yeah, I mean, as it sits today, I don't care if Texas is undefeated and K State has four wins. I still think K-State's going to win that game. Now we're coming down the stretch. Back-to-back road games. They go to Baylor. They go to West Virginia. And they close with Kansas. I love that that game is in that Thanksgiving week. I I absolutely love that. I hope they leave that there just because it's more tangible to go to the game if you're a fan. If you want to go to a road game, it's just down the road. If you want to have a home game, the other fans can come. I, I don't like asking fans to go travel far away for Thanksgiving. I think K-State will lose at Baylor. I think Baylor's going to be pretty good. West Virginia, I've never seen a fan base more fired up for a football team that everyone else thinks is going to stink. I, I'm, I'm Nebraska just, fans? The, West Virginia lost like half of its roster to the damn transfer portal, and they think they're going to be the best they have in years, and I just don't see how that works. That can work in basketball, but I don't see how you rebuild an entire roster through the portal in one year. So I think the Cats win that, and of course I think the Cats will be Kansas my gosh, I got them to what nine and three. So, I think so. Yeah, that that all relying on the fact that I think they will lose one of those games at Iowa State or TCU, and then come home and beat Texas and Oklahoma State. So, or yeah, Texas and Oklahoma State. Cole, what do you think? Those final three. Yeah, I'm with you on all three of those games. Um, I think what makes this schedule so interesting as a whole is that. There's a lot of teams where you look at the schedule and you say, K-State should win this game, and you feel really comfortable about it. But then you have those games like Iowa State where it's like, you know, we think they're going to lose, but they can definitely win. Perhaps that game could be even an easier game for K-State than, say, Oklahoma State at home, right? And, you know, you and I both have K-State winning that game. So um, I'm with you. I think K-State will lose to Baylor. They'll beat West Virginia and beat Kansas, finish at 9-3. and Um, And quite honestly, I almost feel like that if you were to, you know, to ask people – hey, what is your record for K-State? Where do you have them at? I would imagine the median right now is probably 9-3. and three. And I know, Zach, you're probably going to be a little bit below that just because – yeah, I made a face. He made a, I made a face. It was a Cole. significant face he made. I, I just feel like, I mean, the median right now is 9-3, and three, maybe the higher median. Is that even a math term? Yeah. I don't know. But Stick I, to I, social I, studies. I, yeah. I'll say nine and three with the potential to, if you steal the win, if you're 10 and two, I feel confident that K-State's playing in Arlington. But if you're nine and three, I mean, that's still depending upon how the conference shakes out, not out of the question. I think the finish for me is the same as you guys lose at Baylor, beat West Virginia, beat KU. So, so eight and four. Yeah. You're pessimistic, but you still have right. four. What's interesting to me is six and three in the conference may not get you to Arlington. It depends on who you beat and how everyone else stacks up, but that may not get it done. So, um, I, you know, if K-State wants to be in Arlington for the championship game, which more and more we're seeing kind of some national media beginning to realize, hey, this is actually a pretty good K-State team. You know, they, they always seem to sleep on K-State. I think with Adrian Martinez coming in, the optimism around him, and uh, we're hearing pretty good reviews of him, we will find out. If he gathers himself and and Colin Klein can get him on track, I think this team could be in Arlington, but 6-3 in the conference may not do it. So even Cole and I being optimistic, if you want to say it that way, at 9-3 and overall, may not get him to the championship game. We'll see. I think it's funny how we're only one game apart, but we have two different outlooks, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, but uh, even then, I could probably say, you know, I'm probably a little optimistic with that one extra game. I'd still probably pick them at seven and five. Again, it's it's time for this program to climb on top of some of these programs that have offered an opportunity to go below K State in the pecking order, and that includes Iowa State and TCU. That certainly includes West Virginia. So K State needs to climb over those programs. They're already probably above Tech and certainly Kansas, and and definitively let them know that. This is the way it's going to be uh, moving forward and then back that up with a big recruiting class. So it's going to be a fun year. Next question is from Colcats3. How do you feel about the first three kickoff times announced with two out of the three games being on ESPN Plus? Doesn't shock me. Um, you know, that ESPN Plus uh, bought the rights to the Tier 3 rights for most of the conference, and that probably be the South Dakota game. But it gets confusing because then now they just use it as a platform to put on other games. So if you know if you had the Big Ten Network, you sold your rights to Tier 3 rights to the Big Ten Network, you might have that game on there and a couple others. So if you look at ESPN Plus as kind of the Big 12 version of a network, um, it doesn't doesn't bother me that much. I think people are getting acclimated to it. Um, and I think Zach and I pretty much called the kickoff times. Yeah, um, I got the I got the Missouri network wrong, but I didn't. See, I, I, I figured that the, that Fox would want an SEC team on their network. Yeah, it must come down to pecking order on that yeah. weekend of picking. So yeah, they, they've got South Dakota six p.m. on ESPN Plus. Then the uh, following Saturday, September tenth. The following Saturday, September tenth, eleven a.m. Missouri on ESPN Deuce. Deuce Vaughn, uh, September 17th, 2 p.m., Tulane. I love it. Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It is Fort Rally Day, University Family Day, Cole. So bring your relatives from Kentucky to the Tulane game because nothing says family like New Orleans. Here, here's my question about all of this. And, Zach, maybe you know this, or Pitts, maybe you know this better than anyone. But if you're going to have the game on ESPN+, Plus, specifically I'm talking and referencing this Tulane game, Remember how awful and how hot it was against Nevada? Was that not a two o'clock kickoff? It was a one thirty or yeah, yeah some some kickoff so are, in there. Are you not running into potentially the same problem here with you know heat being an issue when you play this game? If you're going to play it on ESPN Plus, why not play it at six o'clock when you know? We talk about local businesses a lot on this podcast, but I mean, um, people are going to be down here; they're going to have to stay. Um, at least for one night. So mm, I, I, I would really. think it's, I, I think so. If you ask local businesses, those midday kicks are the best for their business because um, anyone coming to town can drop through the bars or restaurants before kickoff. And then if you're staying, you're staying and you're out all night. So that's probably why they did it. I mean, it's probably a tip of the hat to the local community because it is so good for the businesses. So the first game is that kind of family reunion type game. Uh, you know, every year for the last however, however many years, probably 10, 10 years, that would be my guess, is that first home game or the reunion game, so to speak, is a night game. They always lead off the season, 6 o'clock. It's late August, early September. It's hot. They do it there. But then I believe the... That other game, you know, your non-marquee game that's getting selected for for television, like the Mizzou game, um, you know, your Nevada game, your, you know, when they played UTEP or, you know, whoever in the past, Tulane this year, you know, I think that's kind of a coach's pick or, a you know, where does Chris Kleiman want to play that game? And I think that he's probably in the same mindset of Bill Snyder saying, hey, let's play this, you know, early afternoon, mid-afternoon. You know, it's it's good for the local community. You know, you don't have to spend a night. You can drive in four hours, watch the game, drive out four hours, and still, you know, wherever you are in Kansas or in the in the surrounding states or areas, if you're a K State fan, a two o'clock game is a very attainable drive mm-hmm. if you want to get there. So I think that that's kind of the way they look at it. But I like when K State plays on ESPN Plus, especially from basketball. It's way better than playing on ESPNU. It's way better than playing on ESPN News. You get to log in, pay 7 bucks a month or whatever you're paying annually, 70 bucks. I don't know. You get to do that instead of trying to look up your cable provider, see if you're paying for ESPNU because ESPNU, at least with Cox and some other cable providers, it's you're not an you it's an add-on. You have to buy the sports tier or maybe even a higher tier sports tier than what you want to pay anyway. So I think that 
yes, it's frustrating that you can't channel surf and nobody's going to end up on a ESPN Plus game. But as far as being a fan, I love it. I love being able to just log into ESPN Plus, especially with basketball. We got into this with basketball. You know, I'd rather them play on ESPN Plus than trying to illegally stream ESPN U or ESPN News. Mm-hmm. You know, well, this it's, is it's ridiculous. I'm just looking at K State's schedule on their website, and you know they note underneath what the name of the game is, what the promotion is. No family reunion this year. Interesting. It is the Ahern Fund member appreciation. So if you haven't donated, you're not appreciated as much. Mm. But that's okay. That's okay. And it's also the extra yard for teachers unless it's Cole Carmody. I don't know why they added you to that. I think that's mean, Cole. But I don't know what extra yard for teachers means or what will be done. But the teachers deserve whatever. The Missouri game is the all-star marching band, which kind of sounds like a traveling marching band. But I'm sure it has K-State's marching band involved. I'm sure it's just band day with a different name. Tulane is Fort Riley Day and University Family Day. So apparently the university has an entire family. Like, I don't know, like Fort Hayes is its cousin and it'll be coming. I'm not sure. Texas Tech is Celebrate Ag Day. Well, we mm-hmm. haven't done that before. That's good. Oklahoma State is Homecoming and the Varsity K Club Weekend. Texas is Harley Day. So that probably means they'll lose. Um, and then, uh, of course, the Dillon's Sunflower Showdown Senior Day against Kansas, also known as the Battle for John Brown's Musket. I'm trying. I'm trying. trying, man. That's amazing. Next the, question. The last thing. Oh, sorry, Zach. I just you, want to point out one okay. more thing here. Um, looking at the schedule for week two, because we didn't get a chance to talk about the Mizzou game at all, really, at all. Um, does anybody want to take a guess? At the other big 11 a.m. game for September 10th. No, I don't. Just tell us. Is that the Texas Alabama? Alabama and Texas. Yeah, I'm going to take that one in the in the viewership ratings. It's probably going to be number two at 11 a.m. But complaining about K State Missouri 11 a.m. I actually think it's a good time for Winsworth. So, anyways, just want to point that out there. Okay, Zach, I'm calling an audible. We're two questions in. You said we have eight. And we're at roughly 30 minutes. I'm kind of lost count, but we got to be near the halfway mark. So instead of doing four and four, we're going to do two and six. We've covered the schedule. We talked about each game. We talked about the TV times for the first three games. And now we're going to go to break. This is the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Join us on the other side where we have literally more of your questions from Wabash Station. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We do this every week at GoPowerCat.com. Our subscribers at Wallbass Station ask the questions. We answer the questions right here on this podcast. And this week, it is myself, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Cole Carmody via the phone in Kansas City. We've only done two of our eight questions for this week because we were very long-winded. And now we continue with your questions from Wabash Station. And once again, a big shout out to The Fridge, who have been with us for many years. Take it away, Zach. 
Next question is from Powercat Ryan. Which of the following Big 12 versions was slash is slash will be your favorite? Version 1.0 with the original 12. Version 2.0 with the original 12 minus Colorado and Nebraska. Version 3.0, which is the current version with the remaining 10 minus Texas A&M and Missouri with the addition of TCU and West Virginia. Version 4.0, current 10 plus Houston, UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati. Then there's version 5. Oh! With the new 14 minus Oklahoma and, well, the, the, the 14, the minus Oklahoma and Texas to get you back down to 12. Oh, so we, we, right. we, four is the 14 teams. Right. Okay. And then five is the new four teams minus OU Texas. Okay. Then six oh boy. is uh, a potential 12, the 12, the new 12 plus four other teams to get to 16. Oh, this is a great question, Ryan. It really is. It's going to make me think. I like the first 12. The first 12 was, it was a great conference. It really was. I mean, you think about the the loss of Missouri and and Nebraska, just longtime rivals of Kansas State, along with Colorado from the old Big 8. Could really care less about them. Couldn't care less. Could, couldn't I want less. them back. You just want them back for the mountains and everything. The else. mountains. Um, and A&M was fun until we all figured out it's a cult, and then we got a little scared. I really like the new 12 version. I think that's five in there of uh, no Oklahoma, Texas with the four newcomers. I think it's a nice refreshment of the conference. <clears throat> There's one school in there I probably wouldn't have added just out of personal preference, and it's somewhere in Texas. But um, I do like the three out of Texas they picked, and I think it's going to be a uh, a really competitive conference, a really entertaining conference. And I don't think the quality of football will drop off significantly, particularly if someone such as Kansas State, Oklahoma State, or Baylor, being that three most likely, can rise up to get back to that elite standing that K-State was at once and Baylor briefly was Oklahoma State's been there which means your quality to be in the playoffs like Oklahoma has been mine's probably going to be the one year where they didn't have Colorado Nebraska but they still had Missouri and Texas A&M that and if it happens the one year or two years where OU and Texas are still in and there's a 14 team conference those will be the two years that I or two versions that I appreciate the most. Okay. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a rebel on this, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna say none of the above. Mm. I'm gonna write in my own answer, and I'm gonna say the Big Eight Conference. Oh, is that acceptable? You weren't yeah. alive, bud, but uh, okay. <laughs> and, and the only reason I say that is just because of geography, and uh, I don't know. I just think that's really cool how close everybody was. In that in that singular conference, from Cat and Callo, I assume that's Colorado. Cat and Callo was the name. Couldn't afford the Rado. Uh, new to the site. Welcome. I'll, I'll drop podcast. by and see you this week. Uh, the potential exists for Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU to all finish in the top half of the Big Twelve in both football and basketball when they join. If that were to happen, what would that say about the Big Twelve and K State if they finish below these three schools? Uh, that would stink. I would really – the, the conference in basketball is going to be better. I'm just going to say that. I mean, you add the likes of Houston, which has been Final Four quality the last few years. BYU is always solid. Uh, you know, you just go through the list. UCF has the potential to be really good, even though they haven't been, and, and Cincinnati's had its moments in basketball. I think the conference is going to be ultra-competitive. Uh, I think uh, if you're Kansas – I'm not worried about K-State. If you're Kansas – and you find yourself in a realigned conference with four new schools and you get pummeled by them, you're just, you're admired. You're stuck. You're, this is a huge year for them to get something going because if they don't, I, I have come to believe that Texas and Oklahoma won't be in the conference in 23. They'll figure that out. I've been thinking that all along. Then it looked like it would be a couple years, but now there's a lot of talk of them leaving. So if in 2023, Lance Leipold can't get it above the four new teams or whatever teams he plays out of that mix, it's it's big trouble. But I like the fact that all these teams are, can be competitive in football from day one. I think when you look at, you know, we talk about the new conference, as far as a K-State perspective goes, um, I was going to bring this up when we were looking at, you know, the schedule and looking at the games. But that K-State-Oklahoma State game, I mean, there could be a lot on the line in that game simply because I think we look at, those two teams and you could realistically say, Hey, 
these two teams, if if the progression stays the way it is, and maybe if you want to throw Baylor in there, those two or three teams could be the class of the new Big 12 from the old guard, right? So, I mean, I, I think that K-State has a chance to finish at the top. But, again, I think that's why this season is so important in all reality. I think if Cincinnati shows up in football and they do what they've done over the last, you know, however many seasons, I don't think that you can get too upset if they finish above K-State. But the other two, I think for sure, it'd be disappointing if if Houston and BYU came in. And, you know, if they beat K-State, you know, here or there in those early seasons, you know, frustrating, but not the end of the world. But if they're coming in and they're competing in the rest of the conference and they're getting wins, yeah, it's de- definitely frustrating. With basketball, I think you got to finish above all of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any room, it, especially, especially right now with the state of the program. You know, I get the coaching change. Jerome Tang's going to take this hopefully vertical, but... If he's not able to compete in the conference as a whole, I don't see how adding Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU programs that, like you've said, Fitz, they're at the very least solid, and in Houston's case, they've been very good. So you've got to be able to compete with the rest of the conference as a whole if you want to be successful. And and back to the point where K-State fans expect K-State basketball to be. Oh, here we go. From Oiler Cat 2, does Will Howard get a chance to redshirt this year after he sacrificed his redshirt to play in the Texas game last year? Do you think he would like that opportunity if Adrian Martinez is healthy all season? Absolutely. If Adrian Martinez is healthy all season, they will try to redshirt Will Howard, which still means he can play in four games. So, that I mean, that's the game changer. They couldn't pull that off last year. And so uh, maybe they'll get that done this year. They're going to need someone to step up and be a definitive number three, though, just in case. I hope they get the red shirt on him. Will deserves it. He'd be a senior next year. That's that's crazy. But he does have a COVID year, I guess. Air quotes. Senior. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they get it done. But I don't see a way Adrian Martinez stays healthy and locked in at quarterback the entire season. I, I just think he's going to get knocked around a little bit. That's the nature of being a K-State quarterback with that run game. We'll see. But uh, I hope it happens. I just don't think they'll be able to do it. I think if if Will Howard plays this year and forgoes his red shirt for the third year in a row, I think that just tells you what you need to know about Jake Rubley. If, yeah. if you're trying to preserve Will Howard's red shirt, and if Adrian Martinez gets injured and you play Will for four games – and you still have, you know, games where Adrian's injured and it comes down to do we let Will go out there? Because he's clearly the best option outside of Adrian Martinez right now. So if Jake Rubley's not ready to step in when he doesn't have a COVID year to burn, he's used his red shirt last year. You know, it's at, at, at the very least, if they do decide to go with Jake Rubley in this scenario... Will Howard could very well be passed if Jake Rubley mm-hmm. is good enough. Because if, if Jake Rubley's given the keys to the car, you know, and if Will Howard's trying to preserve, preserve that red shirt, you know, it could be an interesting situation if it comes down to that. I The, the question asks is, does Will Howard want to be redshirted and will K-State use his redshirt? Um, I honestly think that no, Will Howard will not be redshirted, not only because you have Adrian Martinez, who is very uh, injury prone in the past, but I do think they're going to find ways to get Will in the game because let's be honest, guys, Will does things that is different. I mean, he's just different. We saw him take off and run down the field against Texas last year. Say what you want to say about that game. But that was probably one of the most impressive plays of the entire season when Will Howard ran 80 yards past Texas um, to get to the end zone. And on top of that, you throw in the fact that he's 6'4", 6'5". He's a big kid. I think they're going to find ways to get Will Howard on the field. And I'm not sure Will Howard wants to be redshirted. I mean, you've gone through this yo-yo effect. I mean, if they come to him and say, hey, Will, do you want to have the same role you did last year and maybe keep your redshirt? Or do you want to be involved in the game plan? I would have to think that Will, especially having that extra year, I would think he'd want to get into the game. And the only other thing I want to point out here is 
You know, it depends on who they have at quarterback and quite frankly, who they have coming in at quarterback. If they feel comfortable in their quarterback situation, I think that could play into it as well. So I would expect to see Will Howard. I also expected to see Will Howard last year. And we really didn't get to see him as much, partly because they wanted to keep that red shirt. But I think you either don't play him at all and don't even try and risk it, or you get him involved early in the season. And I think if he is involved early in the season, then that'll be a telling sign. Next question is from Wyatt Bullinger, 15. Start one, bench one, cut one. Michael Bishop, L. Roberson, Colin Klein. Okay, this is easy for me. It really is. It seems challenging, but I saw this on Twitter, so I've already thought this through. I start Michael Bishop, but I've got Colin Klein on the bench in case Mike has one of those Mike games where – he throws interceptions and just doesn't quite look like Mike. And I'm sorry, L. I love you, man. But you're number three in this group. You're going to have to go. Is he? I think so. I think it's pretty clear he's number I three. Think he, I think you're probably right. Cole, your thoughts? Uh, it's hard for me because I didn't. I have not watched those two guys in, in L. Roberson and, and Michael Bishop as much as I've watched Colin Klein. And so – I want to lean towards starting Colin Klein just because I've seen the kind of player he is. But, I mean, are we going to take into account who's calling plays? I mean, hey, if Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, is calling plays, maybe it looks a little bit different than if Phil Snyder's calling plays. I'm going with Michael Bishop. Michael, He's my quarterback. Who's getting cut? I think Hell's got to get cut. I, I think you're right. I, know. I think you're right. Sorry, L. Sorry. Yeah, L's, get, L's getting cut for me, too. I'll go Colin Klein one. Michael Bishop, too, okay. and L. Roberson, too. You can't go wrong with either. If your quarterback depth is Bishop and Klein, no matter who starts and who backs up, you're a pretty damn good football team. Those are two great quarterbacks who fit K-State's system just perfectly. Next question is from Call Me T 22 Which team on campus could benefit or do the most with a total uniform redesign? It can be guys, girls, revenue, or obscure. That's a great weird. Question. Weird to call the Olympic sports obscure. Obscure. Uh, Men's basketball has to be the answer. I, I think you're that right. Has to be the answer. I, I, I think they've they've got one jersey. As I sit here right now, it seems like they've got one jersey. Um, no, two jerseys. I keep. I keep the lavenders and I keep the wildcat script. So you keep the throwback slash faux Right. Right. And then I I redo the. You know, I get a purple that's better. I don't like all the design work they have on their uniforms. I wouldn't mind a, a light gray uniform. I think they could do some really cool stuff, but they they try. I don't I all the swooshes and different colors, and I'm just not into it. I like simple, clean uniforms with, with some pinstripes or maybe just a solid pant, a solid short with a power cat on the side. I, you know, I, I got no problem with that. I just think they get too busy with their designs. I think that their current designs don't align with the rest of design in college basketball. Right. I think that recently we've seen a trend of simple is more, so to speak. And I think that the, the shorts, especially the black shorts with the power cats on the butt or not the butt, but like the bottom edges of the shorts, they just look weird. Um, I'm going to say this though. I think that, uh, women's sports in general, at least with Nike and probably the other sports too, or other, uh, uniform companies, probably Under Armour and Adidas do the same thing, but everything is so templatey. You know, when you look at a volleyball uniform, both teams are, if they're Nike, they're wearing the same uniform in a different color. Same pretty much goes for soccer, women's basketball, maybe women's basketball has gotten a little bit better over the years, but you look at those sports and you're just like, you, you could have bought this off a rack, you know, at the uniform store or whatever, you know, there's no thought or design, but at the same time, it's not like very many people are going to those games and watching either, but that's what I would do is get something more a, bespoke for those sports. What about a cream colored men's basketball jersey? I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take and steal that from baseball because um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see, but I think baseball does it right. I think baseball does it right. They have a bunch of different jerseys, and quite honestly, I think all of them are great. I think if you were to get 
a cream colored basketball jersey. I think TCU does one of those. I don't know if you guys are if you guys can remember what I'm talking about. No. I OU OU is who does the cream because it's crimson and cream. Is that would that be a good look for K State or are you more of a traditional I'm, let's just stick with what the school has? I think cream's cool, but cream's like an OU thing to me. Yeah, I'm not it's not a K State. I'd like thing. to see it. I'd like to see what it looks like. Um, but I don't know that I'll be in on that. You could call it Call Hall Cream. Ooh, I like it. Ugh. I, I also want the big game grays back. I know people are going to crush me for that, and that's probably one of the only opinions. Oh, I have a lot of opinions, but that's one of my only opinions that I'll actually die on a hill for, and maybe that's just that's because the... I have the nostalgia of of Jacob Poland and, and the Frank Martin era of wearing those jerseys in huge games and then having major success, but – uh, yeah, I, I want gray uniforms, and I want to call them the big game grays. So that's what I'm going to do. That's a dumb hill to die on because those uniforms did not look good on television Plus, at all. Thomas Gibson sweated through everyone's uniform. The problem is they didn't get the colors right for the numerals and the trim. Black trim with purple numerals on dark gray isn't good. Got to go Some with white. Some kind of gray jersey would look good. purple. Yeah, I like a lighter something. gray. I mean, I'd like a like not a light gray, like a pale gray for like a the home. 90s silvers. Yeah, closer, yeah. close to those. Yeah. A little more well, silver, the Reebok like, days. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Now we're talking. Hmm. Last question of the podcast, and it is also a uniform question hmm. from Itain BB. If I am not mistaken, which he is not, I think Bob Huggins brought brought the black uniform to K State. Is there any new color you think Jerome Tang could introduce to the program? Mm, no, no. I, Tom Asbury added teal, but they never wore it on a uniform. No, I know, I know. I think they should totally. No, hang on. Hear me oh, out. No, no. Teal. Hear me out. Oh. Hear me out. For one game, you do kind of like a, almost like a minor league type type event. You know how they'll change, like the the wind surger, the turbo tubs on Thursdays. And they have a different logo and different uniform, you know, something like that. Do a silly, you know, uniform for one game or one week in December or something where you have teal uniforms and like, you know, fuchsia security shirt type thing. Like just make a whole 90s K-State uniform that never was, but takes from what Bramlage was during that Tom Asbury teal time. Cole, Cole, help me here. I mean, I was just going to say lavender. And quite honestly, is Jerome Tang popularizing the lavender more because they are going to feature more lavender. I don't, I don't, things. Think, it's, I don't think it's necessarily Jerome Tang. I think it's, I could totally see the, the athletic department general. trending towards using lavender because it's such a unique color. It no is. one else is using I, lavender. No, it is. It, I, I love it. And, you know, just going up to athletics for press conferences or anything, you see staff all wearing lavender. It's they're either wearing white, purple, or lavender. Like, there's no black left. Very rarely. I, someone wore black into a press conference. Was it? Uh, Klanderman, maybe? Klanderman. Yeah. yeah, but it's so much more rare now. It's been supplanted, uh, supplanted by lavender, and I like it. I, I always – Gene Taylor said this, and I thought the same, not for football, but, you know, our, our Twitter friend Mike Stanley does those great mock-ups. And when I see a little bit of lavender, like on a jersey top with, you know, a white helmet and white pants, it is really clean. It looks really good. Uh, I kind of hope the university does it for exactly what Zach said. It is a unique look to Kansas State, period. If you turn on the TV and you see lavender, it's not Northwestern. It, it's it's not another purple school. It's it's Kansas State. It's not TCU. They, they're the ones with the purple and black. It's K-State. And I, I really would appreciate seeing more and more of it in all sports. I think it's a really popular color with the fan base and, and really popular with the younger crowd, which I think is really interesting. I could totally well, see. Case- Sorry, yeah. go Cole. Okay, I was just going to say. One thing that K-State needs to do if they want to make the lavender more popular is make it not just an athletics thing. Fitz, you just mentioned, athletics wears the lavender a lot. But the lavender is not around the university. What's around the university? You have the purple. You have the power cat. It is what we think of with K-State. Now, they have not gotten into that trend. The university has not fully gone into the trend of the lavender. So 
I think if you want to include the lavender more, you have to see it more around campus for it to really feel like it's an actual color of the school. Because right now when you see lavender, it's kind of just that, oh, yeah, we want lavender trees. We want a lavender this. We want lavender. You have to make it part of your culture for it to actually make it a school color. Should it officially be added as a school color? I think it should. Royal purple is the only school color right now, right. officially. I think you should add lavender. If you're going to add a color, add lavender, in my opinion. But if you want a realistic jersey that's a random color that I think K-State could end up wearing, uh, Nike does a Native American kind of appreciation type jersey that's turquoise, that OU, Oklahoma State, you know, a lot of Florida State, New Mexico, Kansas definitely has some Native American heritage, and there's places in Kansas that are, you know, I, I could totally see Nike extending that at some point to K-State and wearing a, a turquoise jersey if, if they wanted to out of that initiative. But I always thought that the, the Nike N7 thing's pretty cool. Zach, no social studies lessons are allowed on the podcast. Do you remember you this? Mm, it's true. Well, it's only okay if I do it because I'm not a social studies teacher. Thank you, Cole, for joining us. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the fridge. We appreciate all of our listeners. If you're not subscribing to our podcast, go ahead and check that box, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, or my favorite, Amazon. That's right. I'm an Amazon guy. Love you, Jeff Bezos. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.